Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome to Marmoneer Property. You're with John Pigeon and Emily Wallace. It's that time of year, if you're listening to us when this episode has just dropped, about setting goals and understanding what's happening for the year going forward. We don't want to call it a New Year's resolution, but I think as an investor or someone that's interested in taking action through property, you should always be reassessing where you're at and what you want to be doing going forward and make sure we're ticking off on our action steps and our habits. So today, Emily and I are going to give you eight solid groundbreaking tips for 2024. Emily, let's get into it. Let's do it. They're going to be groundbreaking. Groundbreaking as they are. The pressure's on. (laughs) What's our first one? My first one's a very practical one about buying property in 2024 and just generally buying property. Mm. This probably applies a little more to Melbourne, Sydney, possibly Brisbane, but don't let the first auction you attend be an auction that you're bidding at. So I'm saying to people, get out there, Watch multiple auctions, even go on YouTube. Don't even have to leave your own home and watch auctions so you understand what they're about, how they run. And even, I guess, bonus points, if you can be watching an auctioneer who is likely to call an auction of a property you're going to buy. Because one thing I've learned through the hundreds of auctions I have bid at over time is everybody has their own style. Mm. And you could certainly have a one-up on somebody else in the crowd if you've already been accustomed to that style and understand how they operate. Absolutely. Love that. So as you mentioned, Sydney, Brisbane, Melbourne, high auction sort of uh, focus, isn't there? So would you register for that auction and not bid or would you just stand there as a bystander? Well, it depends in what state because Melbourne, you can just rock up and do whatever you want. There's yeah. no registration. But, <laughs> That's so, wild. Yeah. So if it's an if it's a public auction, you don't have to register. You, um, and I believe that's the case anywhere. You just can be a bystander. You could be a neighbor for all they know, just watching the auction. But I know there's in-room auctions. I know Ray White do them a lot where you actually have to go into like this almost conference center type of thing mm. where they do all these properties all at once. Maybe not that, but certainly an a street auction where you go and be a bystander and just observe and take note of how it runs, um, how quickly it gets knocked down, how many bidders, that sort of thing. Yeah, because for majority of auctions, correct me if I'm wrong, you actually need to register if you're going to bid though, yeah? Uh, Yes, there's company rules uh, that do that in Melbourne, but it's actually not uh, legally binding, like Mm. you don't have to. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. I like it. So get a get a do a bit of a preseason. Turn up and mm. get a feel for it, and look at the heat and um, see what others are doing and their facial expressions and the sweat and the nervousness. Even just becoming immune to the auction setting, because I think a lot of people get nervous because you know there's a person at the front yelling. You know, like yeah. they're, they're yelling and they're asking for bids and just understanding that um, thing. It's almost just yeah, building up immunity to the auction arena is how I see it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, the auctioneers usually quite introverted too, aren't they? They don't like the, the, the crowds. They don't build build the action up. They just stay nice and conserved. 
<laughs> you look, there's a handful of them that do that, but let's be honest, they're auctioneers for a reason. It's a bit of free street theatre if you want to go and check it out on a Saturday and they love yelling loudly yes. and they love intimidating people and getting more money out of them. That's their job is to get as That's much right. money as possible. So, yes. Yeah, not for you and I, but it's, um, someone needs to do it. All right, awesome. My first one is don't get splinters. Oh, okay. So usually when you sit on a seat too long, you get splinters. Especially a fence, if it's a timber fence. A fence, yeah. You could <laughs> yeah. be sitting on the fence, yeah. So I'm saying get up out of your seat or off the fence and get into 2024 uh, as soon as possible and take some action. So I think we've said in previous episodes, definitely when we recap 2023, that it's been, a, I suppose, a a bit of a roller coaster ride in 2023 with um, how things have gone from a cost of living perspective and interest rates, et cetera. So it's very easy to take that baggage into 2024, isn't it? And just say, oh, I'll see what happens. And then by March or April, when I see that, okay, things are actually okay and the world's not going to, to fall in, I'll now get going and, and prepare myself. We've got to prepare ourselves straight away, if not today, right, to get ourselves in a position where we can take action and, and well, we can take action in some way, shape or form anywhere, right, um, but to to consolidate that action would be to actually go and buy property, right, mm. and and that's not just because I'm a buyer's agent um, and I help people um, buy property but it's more a case of I think 2024 has some really solid upside to it in, in, in when we're buying good property, you, you're going to thank yourself at the end of the year. And I think on a general note, I've never heard someone say, oh, I wish I waited longer to buy my property. It's always, I wish I bought it sooner or, you know, a lot of people uh, were ready at a certain point in time. Like we were ready financially, but we're just a bit gun shy on, you know, actually buying something and we wish we did and now we're in a different position and we can't afford what we want. Yeah. Generally speaking, when you look at historical data for hundreds of years, mm. the property market has only ever done one thing on average and that is gone up. Over the journey, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. so don't be that person that's there in March or April when we may get a interest rate reduction. Right. It's game on then for majority of the country, isn't it, that are mm. able to go and purchase. They're all like, oh, cool, I'm ready to go now. So in some ways it's it's um, too late. And I think as a bonus tip, don't discount December, January as a time to buy. Yes, there is no. a industry shutdown to a degree. Mind you, and a bit of insight, I guess, in the real estate industry, there's a very notable real estate trainer uh, that a lot of people subscribe to and he has been saying – uh, and pushing for campaigns for properties to go live on Boxing Day, right? So usually you don't like usually you don't see listings until end of January. And I would know that that you know typically you don't really see stuff come on until middle of Jan at best. Yeah. But I can tell you this real estate trainer has like thousands of agents subscribed to him, and he's been pushing this thing of upload on Boxing Day. It's when people are free to look online. They're with their family. It actually makes so much sense. It does. So yeah, yeah don't write off the holiday period as a time to go quiet on property. You never know. If no. other people are on holiday and not physically around, you could be in a position to snap something up before the frenzy takes off next year. Yep, 100%. Uh, moving into tip number three, another practical tip, which you can do from home, by the way. I love things that you can do on the couch. The um, Sometimes the least resistance, the better. So I tell pretty much anyone I speak to who inquires about buying a property this one thing and it's 
looking through the sold data of the last three months. So realestate.com has a filter you can literally put in your suburbs, price point, last three months sold, and up pops a whole list of properties. And personally, my rule of thumb has always been, if you have not seen two to three examples in the past three months in budget and area of what you would buy, then what you want doesn't exist and you need to change some parameters. Mm. Location, accommodation, price point, whatever levers you can pull, you're going to have to change them because um, unless you're at like the real higher end and I mean like maybe three mil plus where not a lot of property transacts at that level and maybe it's you know one every six months, but generally speaking, property sort of under 1.5 mil in any major capital city, there should be some solid examples in the past three months. And I would note down what you're seeing with those sold results. Are they all main road addresses? Are they uh, apartments where the second bedroom's really small and that's just what falls in your price point? Are they properties that need work? Uh, So these common traits, you can actually educate yourself on what can I afford once you have your pre-approval is really important because you'll save yourself a lot of time physically in the market if you actually look back on the history. Yeah, okay. So you're, you're doing a pre-season, aren't you, before you you get serious about your search. You have uh, you know walking into any suburb that you're looking at what something should be worth based on the comparables that you found. Yeah, and, and it actually prevents the thing of – because a lot of people worry, oh, you know, I only went out of my first Saturday of open homes and I feel like this one is the one. Now, this is probably more so for home buying than investment because I know your rule about looking at a lot of properties, John, and offering <laughs> on a lot and picking one. Well, I'm, I'm not – not that I'm against the rule, but I just know sometimes you can walk into the first one yeah. and it actually ticks all the boxes for your home. Yeah. You can't possibly know that if you haven't done any research prior to walking into that property. Can't no. possibly. That's right. And and that long list of, of properties to, to search, Emily, is more around the case of getting that knowledge mm. to, to not just go and buy something for the sake of it. So, yeah, if you've done that pre-season and you've looked at those comparable sales, you've, you've already fast-tracked your way to find what you think is going to be right for you. Yeah, 100%. Very good. Number four, uh, live your values. And this can be said every day of the year for the rest of your life uh, is is be true to yourself. Do what you want to do for you and maybe your family or whoever you've got closest to you and, and don't deviate from that. I think I, and as you know, I do hundreds of clarity calls a year and, and I just uh, see a lot of people out there that uh, are maybe getting thoughts and opinions from those that are surrounded by and are influenced by them that aren't actually what they want, right? Mm-hmm. Whether that's uh, not even property related, like uh, I went to uni because that maybe that's what mum and dad expected of me or something like that. Like live your values and do what you enjoy doing, right? Don't worry about the fluff. Don't worry about um, the, the, the toys and all those things that come with the next door neighbour doing that. Don't worry about the noise online or because there's a lot of noise online, isn't there? Every time you go on, there's so much pressure and it's it's perceived pressure because you see someone doing something that's outstanding, you feel intimidated or not worthy because why haven't I done that? You see someone that's um, got an, a, a strong opinion on something, well, okay, I, I shouldn't do that then. So you've you've listened to a stranger but then your friends and family closest to you are also giving you this, this noise as well which can lead you down a path that you don't want to go down. So write down your values, understand what they are, understand what your 
you you want out of your life and and what you believe in and what you what what makes you most content and roll with that and and be true to that every week for the year. I completely agree and I think certainly the social pressure like social media pressure a lot around I guess being mindful with your money I think even I've caught myself at times looking at people who have got like I'm not a brands person for reference like I don't really know much about brands couldn't appreciate brands at all but I'm Prada like, or Prado yeah no, right. <laughs> <laughs> don't know which is which <laughs> um, but I'm like oh you know that looks cool or um, I like that person and they're wearing this or they're doing that mm. and it's this sense of keeping up almost and I know a lot of millennials do feel that pressure uh, I think the ones who are the true winners are the ones who as you say stick to their values mm. and um, don't go and spend money because it's consumerism or you've seen someone do something that you think you should be doing or that you should have to um, keep a certain status it's just that's a uh, that's a quick way to become very sad i think mm, absolutely and it can happy happen early on in life right mm. um my 12 year old had her grade 6 graduation year 6 graduation last night literally yeah. and uh, yeah it was cute it was a great evening for her um but again a not a lot of noise external uh which was slightly intimidating for her um mm. at events like that and mm. it's starting at, at at her age, and can be easily influenced if um, if yeah, there's some normality uh, or lack of normality put into the conversation. So, yeah, live your values, people. Indeed, uh, we've already hit four. Gosh, that was quick. But we yeah, are going to take quick. a break, mm. um, and we'll come back with a further four tips for you to consider when buying next year. If you're after personal financial advice, don't get it from a podcast. If you would like help based on your own personal situation, head over to sortyourmoneyout.com. Click get help and we'd be happy to introduce you to one of our trusted advisors. We also have a panel of trusted mortgage brokers we can connect you with to get you into your first home, an investment property purchase, or to review your current loan if you don't have a broker. Our panel of advisors, mortgage brokers, and accountants work with clients all over Australia so they can connect with you wherever you are. That's sortyourmoneyout.com and click get help. 
So this was a bit of a curveball because uh, I love Elwood where I currently live in Bayside, Melbourne, beautiful suburb. I've always said that's where I'm going to buy. But I just had this little niggling feeling to go and try something different. And I'm a rent vester. I can do what I want where I want to live. I can, yeah. you know, up and leave. It's the beauty of it. Exactly. And so I want to try living, I'm calling it my hotel era. You know how people have eras these days? Yes. Now, I'm not living in an actual hotel. I can't afford that. Um, I'm living in a high-rise apartment building, which I've never been. It's got 18 levels. It's got a pool, gym, sauna, spa, everything you could think of, 24-hour concierge. And the dog park is at the back of the building. Like, it's perfect for Henry and I. Right. So, the notion of try before you buy, I don't think I would buy one of these apartments, but I want to try living there before I actually go and buy something that doesn't have that. The more you try, the more you know, and it will either show me that I really want the lifestyle that's inner city living or I want more of that suburban community lifestyle. I think it's very hard for people who live in the one family home their entire life, move out to rent maybe with some friends or a partner in a certain area, probably nearby, Mm. and then um, potentially buy in an area that's unknown to them because of affordability and they end up in a suburb that they know a little bit about, maybe a friend lives there, but they've never actually tried it for themselves. No. Um, a short way to do it is to find an Airbnb in the area and maybe do a week there or a weekend and see what it's like. The longer form would obviously be a rental for a period of time in the area that you're thinking about. But I just think I have actually heard of people buying in areas that they weren't really familiar with and they end up uh, not regretting, regret's not the right word, but they do wish they had known more before they committed that much money to one spot. And I'm talking more about home buying here, obviously not so much investment because you're not going to live there if you're investing. But yeah, I just think the more you try, the more you know. And if you have the ability to try an area before you commit to the purchase, I think you'd be better off for it. Yeah, absolutely. I like it. I like it in every aspect of life. But for for living, uh, it's a pretty, well, for a lot of people, it's a permanent thing for a, a number of years, isn't it? So mm. yeah, you've got to you've got to get that pretty bang on. So yeah, hats off to you. Wow, twenty nine properties. That's uh, that's impressive. Yeah, I know. I've got a long list of um, what I don't want in a property, and so that that's probably the challenge, John. Is I'm probably my own worst client. I know too much, actually, to yeah. be honest. I know too it's much. Dangerous, yes. and, and you've so, got a lot of yeah. options. Yeah. 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 Mm. Um, but I liken it to sort of dating before you get married. Try all the properties before you commit to an area. Yeah. It's That's why I thought commitment. you were going, actually, oh. before you mentioned it was property. <laughs> yeah. I haven't been on 29 dates, I must say. Nah, no. No, nah, fair enough. <laughs> no, nah, that, that's awesome. Um, and it's you, you mentioned about the, okay, we buy our own home based on our price point, even though we ideally don't want to live there. We think, well, confirmation bias, we'll get to know it and we'll get to like it, et cetera. But it's, it's a high risk, isn't it? Because there's uh, there's a lot of thought and money and time and stress goes into buying that. So if uh, if you cock it up, it's um it can be costly. Yeah, and I think the biggest one, or the biggest trend I've certainly seen is actually relocation. So people who've been in Sydney or Brisbane or even overseas moving to Melbourne mm. and committing to a purchase sometimes before they've even landed here, but within maybe a handful of months of being here and I do really grill these people like, are you sure that's what you want to do? Because how could you possibly know what area you really like? Yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I'm very passionate about Try Before You Buy if you haven't noticed. Yeah, no, I love it. Um, <laughs> and coincidentally, I was talking to someone last night 
Um, I, I don't think they'd be listeners of the show, but if they are, hi. Um, <laughs> they moved from New South Wales to far north Queensland, mm-hmm. uh, visited the area once, came back down and said, yes, yeah, so where we want to move to, bought a house sight unseen before they actually moved there and oh. have just moved there like in the last couple of months. So, yeah, ballsy, that's for sure. Yeah. But um, hopefully it works out for them. But, yeah, um, your your tip for them would have been go up there and rent for a year, yeah? Literally. Mm. Any case, um, live by the sword, die by the sword. Uh, number six for us is coming from me and it's refining your team. So who have you got in your life? that's working for you and working well for you. Uh, do an autopsy on it, right? And don't want to get too personal, but it might be your friends. It mm-hmm. might even be your partner. I don't know, right? So we've got to say, uh, have we got any roadblocks that's holding us back from doing something or getting somewhere? And if that's a team member of yours, and I'll elaborate on that in a minute, we've got to either resolve that or get them out of our team so to speak right now that sounds a bit harsh but it's it's not sacking them it's just moving on uh for the betterment of everyone so from a property perspective who do we have on our team well people come and go don't they so you might recruit a property manager you might recruit someone that does building and pest inspections for you Um, you might deal with a real estate agent from time to time but you have some I suppose, confidants in your corner like an accountant and a mortgage broker generally and a solicitor slash conveyancer, right? And, and I think they're two, two different people. Um, I've got a lawyer that does all of our wills and estate planning and looks over contracts and everything else, uh, as in contracts for business. And then you've got a conveyancer that looks over property contracts for you uh, on your behalf. So, Assess them, right? How are we going? How's the relationship going? Um, do we need to build on anything there or have we had not had that time to actually think, are they the right person for us? Now, we don't want to generally get rid of our team members. We want to stick with them. But if they're letting us down in some way, shape or form or they've just, it's not you, it's me sort of thing, then we've got to, we've got to maybe cut the cord and, um, and, and assess that. Yeah, I think uh, the notion of quick to fire, although that sounds a bit aggressive, but the longer you drag on with something that's not serving you, it's actually preventing you from getting to where you want to be. And so, yes, you kind of have to act on a lot of it's instinct as well. If something's not gelling properly, there's that part. But then also if someone's just terrible at what they're supposed to do, I think property managers are ones that you need to keep on to and review annually, you know, are they actually keeping up with everything you need them to? And I know that it's a very high turnover in that particular job role. So if you've been allocated automatically a new one, like keep on top of that, make sure they are the right person and they are managing your asset to the best of their ability and and to your standard. Um, But yeah, I think that's a great one, John, because it's not like if everything's cruising along nicely with everybody, yeah, that's cool, but could you do better? I always ask that question, can you do better? Is can it good or is it great? Yeah, that's right. Absolutely. And, and nothing's ever perfect and we probably don't want it to be because then we feel comfort and we, we don't challenge yes. ourselves. But I think, yeah, like even buyer's agent, that that uh, is probably a team member that you would have from time to time. We're continuing to assess uh, the, the buyer's agent that we've got. Now, 
the thing about podcasts and so many resources out there is we can upskill and educate ourselves faster than ever before, can't we? Mm. So initially when we took on our buyer's agent or our accountant or our mortgage broker, our, our knowledge level might have been quite raw. So we we just took them in and said, yep, okay, no, that, I, I think they've done the job for us and then we moved on. When we increase our education, we, we become more aware of the skills that our team members have. So that's where you might get to the point and say, oh, hang on a minute, my mortgage broker is not that crash hot because now I'm more educated on it. I realize that they missed this, this and this. So yeah, I think education can do that as well. And do you know what? I think with that, it does keep professionals to a certain standard because they know that the general public have more information about what they do or they can at least go out there and find it. So not that they would do it deliberately, but they can't get away with as much. You know, like if you're underperforming and you're not really providing a good service or you're missing things, it comes out pretty quickly. And I actually think it's great for all industries that there's more education because it actually flushes out the people who are a bit mediocre, a bit lazy in their role. Yeah. Um, and keeps the service levels really high, which I think is a great thing for the consumer. Yeah, totally. Um, and, and a side note, like people say to me, I said on a podcast there last week that um, a lot of businesses don't like employing millennials, right? You awesome people out there listening to the, to this show. Like I love dealing with millennials because they ask lots of good questions and they actually keep me accountable. Uh, it's like, oh, I actually don't know that, so I need to go and sort that, whereas maybe the generation prior were a bit blasé about all that. Yeah, for sure. Uh, What number are you up to? Number seven. Oh, yes, another passionate point. Oh, yes. (laughs) Ready for a rant? Uh, No, I won't make it a rant, but the tip is don't buy for others. And it's different to the values one because it's actually about a lot of people having this Bizarre criteria for a spare bedroom. Now, there are certainly people who buy a property and they might even be, potentially they were from overseas or interstate and they buy a property and they want a spare bedroom so they can host family members or friends that come over to visit. Before you make that a criteria, I would do an audit of how many times someone has used the spare room at your current property. It might be a rental or maybe it's at home and how many times you've actually had to accommodate. On the flip side, as a friend of people, I do not expect that when I go to visit them, they're going to put me up in their home. I don't expect them to have a spare room. I can sort my own accommodation out. I do not go there thinking I'm going to have a spare bedroom, yippee. Mm. I just think it's such a common and bizarre criteria that people need to have a spare bedroom Mm. to accommodate others. It's like it's your home, it's your money. Yeah, And it could be a significant difference. Actually, um, my videographer that works with us, Dom, shout out to him. He'd listened to our podcast actually, um, but he'd also listened to other resources and had this idea of this spare bedroom. And he ended up buying a one bedroom instead of a two bedroom for his own home. In the same block he bought in, I think only like four weeks later, a two bedroom sold and it was $80,000 more for the two bedroom, right? right? Now, I think the gap of that money, which is so tangible, $80,000. How many Airbnb nights do you reckon you can get with $80,000 over the time of owning Mm. the property, you know? I just think, I don't know if you hear this, maybe I hear it more because of the home buying space, but I just think the notion of a spare bedroom or buying to accommodate others. Another one is um, how big the dining room is when it's a couple living there, but they want to accommodate an eight-seater dining table. Again, an audit. How many times have you had a dinner party in the last 12 months? Yeah. 
No, it's a, it's a fair point. Um, I think if it's if it's I want an extra bedroom because I work from home or I'm going to have kids or whatever, that, that, that totally different conversation, isn't it? But yep. um, yeah, the, the whole uh, yeah, uh, when my mum comes to visit from Ireland, um, yeah. That's, also, uh, do you really want people in your space? Like, I would, I'd be like, sorry, don't have room here. You need to find yeah. yourself an Airbnb. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Too bad. <laughs> Emily, Emily's going to buy a one bedroom apartment and live happily ever after. <laughs> <laughs> Probably. <laughs> but yeah. yes, I just think it's interesting, and the price difference is is significant. Mm. And and when these people are talking about this, by the way, John, it's like a two bedroom plus study. It's not even that the bedroom is going to be used as a study. It's like a fully usable spare room with a bed right. in it, bedside yeah. tables. Um, so, yeah, yeah, just a point to be aware of and make sure that your purchase is for you, not for other people. Yeah. No, it's a, it's a, it's a, good, it's a good point. If they're looking at, at the capital growth side of things, would um, if they got the extra bedroom, would they get better growth out of that? Uh, if they just look at that and not just, oh, I'm going to – uh, have all my friends stay over? Certainly. I believe that uh, holistically like a two-bedroom is better than a one-bedroom apartment, mm. generally speaking. Um, even, you know, if to flip it to an investment in the future and, you know, t- uh, rentals are always based on accommodation. So a two-bedroom yeah. is always going to be higher than a one-bedroom. So, yes, there is that aspect to it. But I think if it's a case of stretching yourself to get the two versus being more comfortable with a one, that's probably – you know, mm. different conversation, but a great point and certainly something to factor in around the capital growth that generally speaking, there's more buyers for two bedrooms than there are for ones. And so supply and demand equation, growth, yeah. competition, you know, under auction, I think you do better out of a two bedroom. Hence the 80K increase. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Awesome. Uh, eighth and final tip for 2024. Um, I feel if if everyone follows these eight, they're destined for success, aren't they? I'd love to hear from people at the end of 2024. <laughs> We've heard, listened to our eight. Yeah, I mean, if you've gotten this far in the yeah. podcast, that deserves a little recognition in itself. Yeah, well done for sticking around. Do you reckon people listen to our full episodes? I actually, I would love to see some data. Like, do people listen start to finish or do they get halfway and go, oh, that's yeah. enough. That's enough these, of them today. These guys are boring me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Shout out um, and hello to the first time listeners as well. Oh, yeah. <laughs> what have you got yourself into? We run a serious operation here. <laughs> yes. So the, the eighth one for me actually has two little bits to it. Okay. Um, don't buy in a hot market like red hot and don't buy, don't think short term. Mm-hmm. So a, a lot of us are running around with our heads chopped off trying to get into a market that's hot. And sometimes the the online presence uh, actually creates the heat, right? This mm. is where I'm buying. This is where you should be buying, blah, blah, blah. Um, so be very careful that if you are doing that, there's a very strong chance if you don't know what you're doing, you're going to pay too much for something, which could come back to bite you in the next five, 10 years, if not longer. Um, so just understand the type of market that you're buying in and I wouldn't be – I strongly suggest not buying in a red-hot market if you can avoid it, right? Mm. Now, as owner-occupiers, it's sometimes a different conversation. So I'm probably coming more from an investment lens there because the owner-oc says, well, this is where I want to live and I need my own home now. I want my home now and it is what it is and it'll sort itself out over the next 20 years. So I absolutely get that. Um, but from an investment point of view, there are plenty of options to buy around the country. Um, so we don't need to be buying in a red-hot market. Usually people like us have bought their 
previous to the market going red mm. hot um, and uh, it, it's overinflated. And the short-term thing is we might see an opportunity because we think we've got a discount or, or something that's distressed or whatever. It may be quite attractive to go and buy something like that regardless of where it is, only to realise that traditionally that market or that type of asset hasn't had the best growth over the over the long term. So we've gone in for this short-term little win and mm-hmm. we feel pretty good about that only to potentially look back and say, hang on a minute, I saved myself 20 grand or 30 grand and it might have gone up 10% and, and it was a, a red-hot market or I don't know. So we've, we've got ourselves 50 grand in the short term, but over the next five years, it, it does nothing. So counteract that by saying, yeah, short term looks attractive, but what does a long-term viability look like for that particular asset or that particular location? There's no quick fix, is there? It's like people offering you know, a pill for quick weight loss. But then yes. if you actually just managed a healthy diet and exercise and did all the right things long term, you'd probably yes. be better off. It's that sort of thing mm. of, yeah. If nothing is nothing should be quick and easy. Anything mm. that's worthwhile should be a long term game and probably a little bit more challenging. Yeah. And it but it's very enticing, isn't it? That quick oh, yeah. pill to say I'm going to drop twenty kilos is like, or oh, how easy is this? Yeah. So yeah. Play the long game. Indeed. Mm. And I think, uh, yeah, long-time listeners will know that's something that we both stand by is long-term vision. We don't believe in these short-term gains. It's not really it's not really how you do investing. Unless we're developing or doing something sexy like that. But yes. um, yeah, so quickly uh, give me a, a quick breakdown of your four and I'll, I'll do my four for the listeners. Oh, you're challenging my memory now, John. Um, <laughs> oh, didn't you write down? <laughs> No, my quick four were go to auctions, watch and observe. And if you can't, check them out on YouTube from the comfort of your own home. Um, Another one you can do from home, go through the last three months of sold data. So three properties in the last three months in budget and area to make sure that what you're looking for does exist and is realistic. My third one was try before you buy, ideally renting or maybe a short-term Airbnb in an area that you're considering to make a purchase in. And if you're a rent vester, then I think you've got a bit more freedom to go out and try new things. And the final one I had was don't buy for other people. So that spare bedroom, do you really need it? Could you maybe offer up an Airbnb to your friends or family who come to visit? It could be the difference between getting into the market or stretching yourself. Yeah, nice. When you first said that one, I thought you meant I'm buying on behalf of my friend. Like, oh, I'm going to buy the house for them. Probably don't do that either. <laughs> <laughs> probably not either. Yeah. Awesome. They're great. Uh, so my four, number one, take action. Don't get splinters. Just get on with it. Get uh, get out there and amongst it. Number two, live your values. Don't worry about the fluff and the noise around you. Do do what's right for you and your beliefs and your values and and the lifestyle that you want. Uh, number three, refine your team. Get that team of people humming and that you're content with, and continue to reassess that on an ongoing basis. And number four was don't think short term. Don't buy in a hot market. Is is my fourth one, and I actually crossed one out. So am I allowed to give like a quick oh, four B tip? Yeah, like a four B sort of thing. I, yeah. I feel as I'm cheating the listeners if I don't give this one. If they've made it this far, they deserve a bonus tip. Probably, yeah. This is like an after party. So, <laughs> over educate yourself this year. Over educate yourself in 2024. There's so much information out there. You've got to get the right education. There's no doubt about that. But just online courses. Um, 
podcasts, draw inspiration from others that give you great knowledge, uh, the, the motivation from others, surround yourself with the, with the people that are going to give you that knowledge. You, I can't stress heavily enough that the education is power for you for the next 30 years. And if you're going to have family, you can empower them with that same knowledge. So it's one thing, unless you get Alzheimer's, you, it can't be taken away from you. Totally. And just as a side note to that, John, your academy, who's that actually suitable? Like if someone's listening to this and they do want more education, what would be the sort of person that might engage in mm. what you have to so offer? You, you slid that in nicely, Emily, didn't I did, you? Yeah. And yeah. It, we're so bad at, we're not, yeah. not very safe. We're not very good at promoting what we actually do. I think that's probably like yeah. our downfall. Yeah, but we have yeah. so much in resources that people probably should know about. Yeah, so we've just designed an online portal called Your Online Property Coach. That's probably mm-hmm. the the main thing that's that's um, we've got now. That's I suppose uh, includes your property analyzer calculator, your um, online academy, but also the development masterclass for those that want that more sophisticated stuff. So it's designed for absolutely first time investors that just mm-hmm. want to, uh, I suppose, get a a handle of what's this whole process of investing and and what where do I even start? But also for those that want to take their investing to the next level, um, some of that sophisticated stuff around developing and things like that. So, yeah, check it out. We'll put a link in the show notes there. But um, yeah, it's it's really good to be able to get some succinct education, no matter where it is. Like I was mm. listening to another podcast, a door of a CEO. I don't know if you listen to it, but. Oh, I've got some um, of those saved. Yeah. 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 They get such interesting people on there that, that come from all walks of life. Like um, I had a rapper on there last week and he was so interesting, like come from the slums and, and made it good. And just, it was unbelievable, inspirational story mm. uh, that, yeah, you've just, you just carry with you throughout the day, throughout the week. And just that momentum building just, just keeps you humming at a high level. Yeah, education is key. It's fundamental, and both you and I have got education backgrounds, and I think you know we're we're very passionate about it, and it, it knowledge is power. Yeah, and shout out to all the lovely teachers around the country. You must be on holidays right now, so you'll be um, on the, the Christmas beach activities are done. The yes. end of the speech nights are done. Yep, reports written. You enjoy a break. It's very well deserved. It is underpaid. Well, this is our goodbye before Christmas. We're going to have some episodes that are going to be our highlights from 2023 in the coming weeks. So you've still got some things to have a listen to, but uh, it's been a year, hasn't it? It has. It's been a cracker. A long one, but essentially the same amount of days as it was the previous year. (laughs) Funny that. (laughs) Yeah, it's funny that. But no, have a safe and prosperous new year and we look forward to being in your ears once again next year. Indeed. Happy holiday season. Enjoy. We acknowledge the Awabakal people, traditional custodians of the land on which our studio sits, and pay respects to their elders past, present and emerging. We extend that respect to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples who may listen to our podcast. We love learning how to do all things well, which is why we have a bunch of different podcasts on a variety of topics. So go and check out My Millennial Investor, My Millennial Money Professional, My Millennial Career, My Millennial Money, My Millennial Daily and Retire Right. Find these wherever you get your podcasts. 
This podcast is for education and entertainment purposes. Any advice is general financial advice only, which does not take into account your objectives, financial situation, or needs. Because of that, you should consider if the advice is appropriate to you and your needs before acting on the information. If you do choose to buy a financial product, read the product disclosure statement, target market determination, and obtain appropriate financial advice tailored to your needs. Simo Interactive Proprietary Limited, the publisher of the podcast, and Glenn James are authorized representatives of Money Sherpa Proprietary Limited, which holds financial services license 451289.